Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester with Mike Taglier, as always. Tags is fresh off riding over 20,000 words this week, so he's either close to dead or knows everything there is to know about this week's slate. Which is it, Tags? I don't know if I know everything about this week's slate, but but between myself, you, and our guest today, I, I have a good feeling that we're going to wrap our minds together and figure out every everybody that we should be playing in this slate. Yeah. Yeah, our guest today is DFS superstar Dan Gasper, and you know him as Mr. Tuttle. That's where you can find him on Twitter, at Mr. Tuttle 5 Dan, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So Tag and I were talking about it, and we decided that for this show, rather than us share any advice or even ask you questions, we would just sit back and learn the whole time. <laughs> Do you think you can handle that? So you just want me to talk for like, what, 30 minutes straight or so? Yeah, yeah, that, that's cool with me. <laughs> what do you think, Tags? <laughs> yeah, no, it'd be nice to sit back. Dan is, uh, he's one of the professionals in the industry that he plays DFS for kind of a living. Uh, and, uh, he's one of the people that I listen to on other podcasts. And I, and he's one of those people that I'm, I'm very open to listening to what he has to say. I can learn things from him. So I'm excited for the podcast today, uh, to learn from, like, I, I would consider, Dan, I don't know if you consider yourself, but you're a DFS pro. Yeah, I'd consider myself that. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool to say. So, like, really, how does somebody get to this point where you are in DFS? Do you just watch a ton of film, crunch crazy numbers? Is it a strategy thing, or are you like some kind of time traveler? A uh, combination of all of the above, except for the time traveler. <laughs> so it's it's it, it's a lot. It's a it's a mixture of everything. I think what I have found a lot of success in personally is. I think I'm uh, really good at lineup construction, so not necessarily even uh, do I think I have more knowledge than uh, anybody out there really with any sport, but I think that um, if you can be good at consolidating information, be good at you know manipulating projections um, and things like that nature, and then kind of figure out how to make that into a DFS lineup, then you can have some, some pretty good success without even knowing that much about a sport. They see that's that's fantastic insight and one and this is part of the reason we wanted to have Dan on is going through the slate today. We're going to talk about those things and this might be a little bit different than most DFS episodes where it's like talking about certain positions. I'm going to make sure I kind of hammer the point home to see what the difference is. Like someone myself, there's been a lot of followers that have said they've been trying to start playing DFS just recently and that they're like, you know, I'm having I'm struggling. And the thing is, that there's just a lot to learn. It's a big learning curve when you go to the DFS world. It's nothing like season long. Uh, but going through and, and learning lessons, how like how much you play in cash, how much do you play in tournaments, going things like that, uh, and the difference between the two. So we're, we're going to separate that in the show today, as we've been recently, breaking down the first half of the, the first half of our conversation is going to be about cash games, and then we're going to go into the second half talking about more tournament plays, which is, you know, those are the guys that are maybe less than 5% owned that we're looking to take a shot on tournaments. But the first question I wanted to ask you, Dan, is let's start at the quarterback position. And there's only two quarterbacks I'm really considering for cash games this week. One is Philip Rivers, and I think everybody can understand why I would like Philip Rivers against the Redskins who are traveling across the country to go and play out in Los Angeles. But my other one is Deshaun Kaiser. Now, this is the question I wanted to ask you from a strategy standpoint. When do you get to the point where you say, a bad quarterback is so bad that I don't want to play him in cash because I made the mistake last week of playing Trevor Simeon. It did not pan out. He had a great matchup. Everything seemed to be just fine. The wide receivers matchups were great. I feel the same way about Deshaun Kaiser this week. I feel like he's actually been actually producing as of late, which makes me feel a little bit safer. But just do you feel queasy when you go down to pay forty nine hundred for a quarterback? A little bit, but especially on DraftKings this year, uh, they have kind of suppressed DraftKings pricing where I think it is your normal um, cash game strategy is is probably looking at guys under 6000 and even once in, every once in a while you'll dip below that $5,000 mark. Um, I'm on board with Kaiser as a fine player this week, um, really on both sides. I, I think the one main concern I would have uh, with him is if this uh, game basically just becomes a uh, slow, grinded-out style of football game, which I think you have a, a pretty high possibility of just because we all know Packers are just going to run the ball if they can. Uh, so they're going to try to grind that clock away. So that would be my only real concern here is that you're you're limiting the amount of plays or attempts that Kaiser is going to have, which isn't good for a guy that's not very efficient. I understand Kaiser for uh, for a GPP contest, but I'm looking at some of his game lines this season. Four points, five points, two points, six points. I'm wondering if we can actually trust him to even hit that small value for cash games. 
Well, the reason I like him, the reason I think that he can hit that value is because, you know, if you look at most recently what he's been doing in those games, it's three of the last five games he scored at least 15 fantasy points or four of the last five games. I'm sorry. He's hit at least 15 fantasy points with the only exception being Jacksonville's defense. He played against the Chargers last week. Uh, He played against the Bengals before that. Two defenses that are really solid. The Vikings back in week eight where he scored 15 fantasy points. So he has been returning value. And when you're paying just 4,900 for a player, you essentially need 12. 12, 12 and a half points out of him to hit value in cash lineups. So, yeah. I mean, Dan, do you go by that strategy, like the whole two and a half times thing, like where you're looking at a player's salary and like, let's say it's 5,000, which means he's two and a half times would be 12.5 uh, fantasy points. Is that typically what you build your lineups around or is there something else that you look at? I don't really use it as like a rigid uh, benchmark. It's it's fine to have something, I think, there if uh, to help visualize kind of at least where you need. Uh, but in some positions, um, in, in various sports, football especially, you're, you're kind of looking for uh, opportunity costs and raw projections as well. So I, I think on this slate particularly, you have uh, – we don't really have any stud quarterbacks. We're not – you know, if, if Kaiser puts up 12 points, he's probably not going to kill you on this slate because there's really not – uh, a high opportunity cost. We're not fading Tom Brady in a in a prime matchup where he's going to put up 25 to 30 points. Here's the thing about Kaiser too is that he didn't have Josh Gordon, he didn't have Corey yep. Coleman and now that he has had those guys, he's been playing a lot better football. So, I understand I guess using Kaiser this week. I just think there's better options with uh Philip Rivers as you mentioned and Jameis Winston is my guy. I mean, you look at what he's been doing this year. He's only had four or five healthy games where he wasn't playing in a tropical storm. 18 points, 26, 18, 26, 20. That's pretty good, reliable production. And uh, he gets Detroit this week, who's a mediocre matchup. So I think we can trust Winston. Plus, there's so much value at the other positions that I think spending up on a quarterback actually makes sense this week. What do you think about Winston, Dan? I think that's, uh, I think that game in particular, I don't think I would approach Winston in cash, but I think he's a, that game could be a fun game stack for GPPs. Uh, I think. Detroit, and if you look at Golden Tate, who's been underperforming, he's a guy that I would love to come at back, come back with. Uh, Evans has been absolutely terrible, and he'll see low ownership per um, numbers this week. And it's a tough matchup, but he does have the size advantage against Slay, so I, I think he could grab a couple jump balls and hit value right there. So I think that's uh, I think like the the Winston Evans uh, Braid at tight end stack and then bringing it back with somebody like Golden Golden Tate would is a is a fine approach for GPPs. Um, I don't hate his floor either in this matchup, so I can I can see him as a fringe cash game option as well. Now, Dan, when you talk about these game stacks, like how many players are you willing to actually stack from the same game? How how often have you seen this work? Is it like six or seven guys, or is it just like three or four? Yeah, typically I'm not going to go quite all in. Back in the glory days when uh, you know the the Steelers were functioning uh, on all cylinders, you know, one two years ago, you could realistically play you know uh, Roethlisberger and, and pair him with. Uh, two to three other options, and then and then bring it back with one or two guys. So you you could get up to to six or seven options. I think in most games though, you're looking ideally you're pairing your quarterback with one or two wide receivers, and then coming back with with one or two guys from the other team. Yeah, I like Jameis this week. My only concern is that, and, and you, you mentioned it, Golden Tate, he would have been one of my favorites this week, along with Marvin Jones, who just towers over the cornerbacks out there in Tampa. My issue with this one is that if Matthew Stafford isn't healthy, I don't know how much throwing is going to be happening. I, I I know that the Lions can't run the ball. The Bucks, I mean, Jameis Winston is going to Jameis Winston, which is why I tend to agree with Dan this, that I, I don't... I mean, I would rather go down to Kaiser and cash, but I do think that Jameis is an awesome play in tournaments. I actually think that Mike Evans could be a solid play. Uh, Darius Slay, he has been known to allow a couple touchdowns in coverage, uh, so it's not to say if they trust him in one-on-one, he can't get it done. But I think Deshaun Jackson pairing him with Jameis it would be very interesting because he's going to see Nevin Lawson in coverage. So there's a lot of things to like about that game. My, I do want to see a healthy Stafford. If, if you want to trust Jameis and cash, make sure Matthew Stafford is playing because if he's not, this is not a game where the where Tampa's going to have to keep their foot on the throttle. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, uh, we've talked about three, four quarterbacks here. Is there anyone else you guys are even considering for cash games? Maybe Jimmy G, uh, maybe even Blaine Gabbert with the way he's been playing? Yeah, I like uh, Jimmy G's might be my top guy right now. Um, it'll be interesting to see how his ownership uh, kind of trends. I think it's trending upward as the week goes on, which 
I don't I don't like to hear as, as somebody that's uh, going to play him in a lot of GPPs this week. Uh, I think in general, um, my concerns with with Kaiser are pretty much the opposite with Jimmy G this week. I think if you look at the pace of game, I think uh, Houston and San Francisco just jumps right out at you as a game that's just going to have a ton of plays in it. And so, again, something that we can predict a little bit more easily uh, is, is volume. And so I think Jimmy G will have a ton of volume. I think he's mo- a more efficient option uh, than some of the other options around him in, the, in his same price range. And so if you consider that volume, I think he makes a, a, a pretty solid floor play this week, especially if you're looking at a site like DraftKings where I, th- I think he's live to hit that 300-yard bonus where you would get those three extra points on DraftKings for that. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to complete 26 passes for almost 300 yards and get zero touchdowns again. If he does that, and he should do better than that against a defense like yep. Houston, I think he'll get two or three touchdowns, right, Tags? I mean, I like Jimmy G this week. I do. Uh, and, and honestly, he's someone that I look at my rankings and I have, I, I'm struggling putting him above some options, but I want to. It's almost that, like, that weird feeling where it's like, okay, well, we still know who his receiving options are, where Marquise Goodwin is still his number one wide receiver. He doesn't really have a tight end that he can trust. He doesn't have a, a secondary wide receiver. That's my only concern with Garoppolo. I think he looked fantastic last week. His, his stat line doesn't show, doesn't tell the whole story. He looked great. Uh, so I do like the matchup. Houston, ever since week five when they lost uh, J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless, they have allowed at least 18.3 fantasy points to all but two quarterbacks, and that was Joe Flacco and Kevin Hogan, two quarterbacks who have have been brutal all season long. Well, Kevin Hogan didn't get much of a shot, but uh, but the, the, the best part about it is that teams that have been going against uh, the Texans have been doing it on minimal pass attempts. There's been just one quarterback who has surpassed 37 pass attempts, so I do like Garoppolo. I'm just having a tough time liking him more than Kyle. Kaiser, but I do feel like if if someone said, Mike, what if you can't play Kaiser? Who would you play? I might go to Garoppolo if I didn't want to pay up for Philip Rivers. I, w- I will say a guy that is uh, underpriced if you're looking at DraftKings, or that stands out as underpriced, I should say, but has not been good recently, uh, is Dak Prescott at 5,600 against the Giants. Yeah. He, he kind of, um, him and his his uh, receiving partner, Dez, both jump out as, as mm-hmm. guys that are just way underpriced. What a price. That's incredible. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I love, I have them both right on my on my sheet right here. Love Prescott, love Dez. I think Dez is cash game yep. viable, but I like them both in tournaments. I think Dak's a solid play. You're never going to see his price this low. Yeah, he's he's really cheap. Yeah. Now, before we move on over to running back, I want to say congratulations to the winner of the year long upgrade to our Hall of Fame package, Pete B. He's already been contacted. So if you're another Pete B. I guess that's really unfortunate because you probably got all excited and it wasn't you. But congratulations to Pete on the Hall of Fame package upgrade. And thank you to all the people who subscribed and reviewed us on iTunes. We read all of them and uh, we love the support you guys are giving us. So thank you so much. No, absolutely. We got nominated, by the way, for podcast of the year. And it's legitimately only only because of you guys. So thank you. We we definitely appreciate it. We're going to continue to try and make the, the show better for you. Uh, and that that's obviously starting now. <laughs> Let's talk running backs. Dan, we're just going to throw to you. Uh, give us a couple of running backs that you're looking at in cash, whether it be some higher priced options or, or some lower priced ones. Yeah, just as we started this um, podcast, it came out that Mixon is not practicing again here on Thursday. So I think uh, a Geo, especially on DraftKings, where he's only 3,100, is going to basically be um, I don't like signing Locke, but he's he's a guy that you, you almost have to play in, in cash games at that price. Yeah. Uh, so he's kind of the lower-priced option. Uh, if you go up a, a little higher priced, a guy that sticks out is, is possibly a little too cheap uh, is LaShawn McCoy for 7200 uh, against Indianapolis. And then the last guy I'll mention is a high-priced guy. He's probably, well, he does have the highest raw projection on the slate, uh, would be Todd Gurley. Bobby, what's your take on that? Like, do you want to play Geo? What do you think about Gurley? Is there someone else that you're looking to pay up for? I don't want to play cash games this week. How about that? I mean, I'm looking at all this. All these running backs at the top, LaShawn McCoy, I'm not going to trust him. Leonard Fournette, I'm not going to trust him. <laughs> I don't like these options. If Mixon's out, I, I think Geo is a – he should be 70% owned, right, in cash games. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll be playing Geo. I'm not going to – be stupid and fade him. He's going to hit value, but uh, there's really nobody else I'm excited about. I mean, I guess you have to say Gurley. He's been the best fantasy player 
all year, but Philadelphia, right? So I don't really like that either. So I don't really know what to do. I was hoping you guys would tell me. <laughs> well, I will tell you this. LaShawn McCoy is an awesome play. I actually love McCoy. I like that call. Uh, McCoy has, since he joined the Bills, there have been nine games where he's been a home favorite. And in those nine games, he's averaged 21 rushing attempts for 122 yards in the ground, 1.3 touchdowns, and then another three and a half receptions for 19 yards through the air. I feel like he's a must-play RB1. Honestly, I would play him over Gurley, even if they were the same price. I, I love McCoy this week. And knowing that it's a winnable game for them, knowing that the defense has been playing better, and it seems like Tyrod Taylor might play, which does help McCoy. I don't think it hurts him if Peterman plays, because I think that whatever the case may be, they're going to run the ball a ton. Uh, but McCoy is a fantastic play this week. Love him in cash. Uh, I also think, and a lot of people are going to jump through the radio and want to punch me in the face, but uh, Kareem Hunt. At 6,500, his price has come down to the point where he's actually a value now. Uh, I know that he hasn't played well recently. I understand that. But going against an Oakland defense who's been kind of battered by running backs all year, at 6,500, he's not a bad play. And then Samaje Pirine at 5,600. Love him. I don't like Cousins very much this week. I think it's a bad matchup for him with the offensive line, how it's banged up. The secondary that they offer in Los Angeles, they just match up really well with the Redskins. So I think Samaj P. Ryan, he's going to be leaned on heavily in this game. Hunt's a solid man. I mean, he's got, I, I know it hasn't been happening lately, but he's been so consistent in PPR all year. He's got at least nine fantasy points in every game except for one because he just gets the ball that much. And I know he's not rushing the ball as much lately, but at that price point, he's hard to ignore. Yeah, Dan, where are you at with Hunt? Are you like fed up? Are you like completely off of him until he shows us something? Or do you find this is a chance to play him as a value? I like him in theory. The The, the problems I would have with him this week would be, um, it does look like Wes is going to come back. I believe Hunt saw uh, season high in, in snap rate last week. And so West coming back is going to hurt that a little bit. Uh, the one thing uh, potentially positive for him, uh, Andy Reid did pass off the play calling. Granted, it sounds mm-hmm. like he's he's overseeing, so it's it's tough to know how much he has control. But if 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 they if the Chiefs are able to get into the red zone, we might actually see Hunt get to carry the ball as opposed to you know Tyree Kill. Uh, end rounds and throwing passes and, and things of that nature. Uh, so I think I think he definitely has some um, positive touchdown regression coming his way if the Chiefs are able to to get into the to the red zone, which is they should be able to in this matchup for sure. Uh, what do you think of P Ryan? Do you think that he you'd rather go down to him? I mean, he's almost a thousand cheaper, which is probably where I'd lean. I guess if I had to pick one, the Chargers, if they've had one weakness this year, it's been against the run. How do you feel about him? I think he's a guy that's going to go uh, underlooked or overlooked, I should say. Um, I don't see his. I think he's. It's tough. I, I think if this is a good game script for the Redskins, you'll see a lot of him. Uh, but it could very easily. This game could very easily get out of hand right away, and he's not the guy that you want if if the Redskins are playing, you know, from behind zero fourteen or something like that. If they're able to get an early touchdown and keep this game close, I think he's in a great spot, and it's it is a good matchup for uh, for running backs. I like P. Run too. The uh, the Chargers defense scares me a little bit because they just absolutely shut down Fournette, but they were also stacking the box every single play and forced Blake Bortles. So. I don't know about P. Ryan. I think he's got enough talent, but again, it's, it's with the game script thing. If I had to pick one running back right now with Gio Bernard, I think I would pick Lamar Miller. And I know that just sounds disgusting, but like it's the San Francisco 49ers defense. And if you had to pick one guy who was going to get 18 touches, I think you'd pick Lamar Miller this week, right? I mean, he's got no competition for, for work there. Yeah, I think Miller's a solid play. Ellington has been stealing some of the passing down work once they signed him. Alfred Blue is mixed in a little bit. But yeah, I I do think that he's actually a solid play. My issue with him, so playing Lamar Miller, here's the deal. So his ceiling just isn't high. Like, so when you're paying, so he's 5,800, his price came down a little bit, and that's fine. Like, I, I do believe that he can hit value, but if he misses it, it's going to be by a little bit. And if he if he crushes and if he, you know, I'm putting it in air quotes, if he crushes it, he's going to finish maybe with what, 15, 16 PPR points. It's not crushing value at that point. So I, I guess I'd prefer just a little higher ceiling than Lamar Miller. That's my only concern, but I don't think he's a bad play. But 
Let's go to the older version of Lamar Miller, Frank Gore. Oh. So I don't think Frank Gore is a bad play this week in cash. He's 3,900. Like, he's he's absolutely free against a Buffalo defense that has allowed its 12 touchdowns, 12 rushing touchdowns in their last four games, I believe it is. Or last five, maybe. If you play Deshaun Kaiser, Frank Gore, and Gio <laughs> Bernard, you're going to have $20,000 left over, man. I'm going to have a blast is what I'm going to have. Uh, am I off my rocker for thinking that Frank Gore is a solid play at 3,900 against the, the, the Bills? No, I think he was a little bit more in play before. Well, and he still might be, I guess, pending Mixon's status. Uh, but I, th- I think if Giovanni uh, becomes uh, available, then you're probably looking uh, – Gore becomes obsolete a bit. I, I don't think otherwise. I think he's a kind of a fine pivot or, or secondary option. Uh, if you're trying to go super cheap on uh, with with two running backs, but I don't think you have to this week, just because again, there's no no real high price quarterback you're looking to jam in, and wide receiver also, uh, there's no real uh, not a whole lot of uh, high price guys you're looking to get in there. That's fair, and uh, you guys may have talked me off of him, but I wanted to mention him just because I feel like he's, I, I, again, he's like a Lamar Miller. He's like the old version of Lamar Miller where it's like he has no ceiling. You're not going to get more than 15, 16 PPR points out of him, uh, but yeah, I felt like he's a solid floor if you want to save some money. So um, Lamar Miller, by the way, has over 20 points twice this season. Yeah, he's scored, he's scored two touchdowns in each of those games. I don't see it happening with Savage under... I mean, it, granted, he did... Again, he's played better with Savage than he did with, with Watson, actually, I think. But I, I'm just not... I can't project him for two touchdowns, and that's what he would have to I do. I mean, we've seen Corey Clement get three touchdowns and Austin Eckler getting two touchdowns. Like, this stuff happens. Lamar Miller could definitely get two. He's just boring. I've played him in cash before, man. And seriously, he just lets me down every time. <laughs> I don't know what it is. He's been in smash spots before where I've, I've liked him and he just always seems to let me down. But um, I think we have a solid core, though. I think that I think we're in agreement that McCoy, once you go up there, McCoy and Gurley are the top two higher priced options, mid priced Hunt, P. Ryan, and then Gio Bernard's like a must play. If you're playing cash lineups and Joe Mixon's out for this game, Gio Bernard's got to be in your lineup. All right, well, let's talk some wide receiver tags. You mentioned there are not many good players to spend up on here at wide receiver. So, uh, Dan, who are you looking at this week at wide receiver? I think the highest priced option you're probably looking at, and he'll be a little higher owned again, just kind of with the way lineup construction is going, is uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he's a guy that uh, efficiency doesn't matter that much with Savage just because he gets a, a huge, number, huge number of targets. Uh, so you don't have to worry about efficiency as much with him. He's a guy that I think is a, a very, very strong cash game play. Uh, if we're going kind of towards the middle tier then as, as a cash game option, uh, he's a guy that's getting a ton of hype this week, and I think rightfully so is Josh Gordon. Uh, he's 5,500 on DraftKings, 6,700 on FanDuel. So he's a guy that, uh, again, is another option that should see a ton of targets this week. In cash game tags, are you going to get 100% exposure to Gordon? <laughs> I mean, I, I only play one or two cash lineups, so yeah, he's going to be in my cash lineup. 5,500, it's kind of like a no-brainer. I was going through my wide receiver cornerback stuff uh, earlier today, and so not only is Devon House, he's a guy that got benched by Jacksonville last year. They ended up letting him go in free agency. Packers brought him in, low-key, not many teams were involved on him. He was not brought in to be a guy to cover number one receivers. Uh, Kevin King was the guy that they drafted to do that. He was placed on IR yesterday. We announced that on yesterday's show as it was happening. Uh, Josh Gordon just basically gave Casey Hayward one of the toughest matchups of the year. He said that Josh Gordon was the best wide receiver he's faced this year outside of Odell Beckham Jr. And that's saying something because he's seen some phenomenal competition throughout the year. But going back to Hopkins, smash spot, dude. Like smash. Yeah. The the duo of Dante Johnson and uh, Akello Witherspoon have allowed six touchdowns on 88 targets in coverage. There have been just three wide receivers to see 10 or more targets against the 49ers, and every one of them scored at least 19.3 PPR points. This is a smash spot for Hopkins. Last week, he was he was like, I don't, I don't want to say average because he still, what, caught eight balls for 80 yards or something like that. So it wasn't like he was bad, but I think this week he bounces back and he has a monster week. Isn't it hilarious before the season began? All the experts, everyone we had on the show, including us, was saying, don't draft Hopkins yep. in the early third round. What are you thinking? Like, he was horrible last year, and here we are recommending him as the top wide receiver with Tom Savage as his quarterback. 
The NFL's just crazy, man. DeAndre Hopkins has been nuts. I don't even he's like awesome. watching the guy. He's he's like so full of confidence right now, and it's it's oozing out of him. Like seriously, and it's it's kind of ridiculous watching him play every single week. Like he's just dominating, and he has catches that don't even show up on the stat sheet because he had one foot down and didn't get the other foot in. He had a play like that last week. It should have been a touchdown, but the one foot just didn't tap, and he's almost always getting that down. And it's really weird, though. I mean, you go back to last year. He's a guy that saw like 140 targets and didn't finish in the top 30 wide receivers. It's like going back, like what the hell happened to DeAndre Hopkins in 2016? But here we are in 2017, and this man is like legitimately the hottest wide receiver on the planet. So you're playing him. You're Keenan Allen, dude. Well, that's the thing. Do we want to discuss him? Like, is he going to be a, a like? Is he going to be a higher owned cash option, Dan? I think you'll see Hopkins probably uh, with the, a little bit more ownership, and I think rightfully so. I think Hopkins is a guy that that's going to su- continue to sustain. Uh, his production and he he might even be underperforming in in some aspects just because the volume has been so great and he he hasn't been buoying his uh, his points uh, totals with touchdowns uh, whereas uh, Keenan I think has four touchdowns over the last three weeks he he obviously has been getting the yards and targets to go with it too uh, but I think there's a little bit more reason to think that this is a peak for Keenan uh, where Hopkins kind of just continues on that's fair did you guys see that tweet from uh, from JJ. Um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners saw it because, you know, JJ's tweets are all over the place. But uh, this is a great stat about Josh Gordon. 11 wideouts have seen eight plus targets against the Packers this year. On average, they've scored 19.6 fantasy points per game. And if you remove the three Bears wide receivers from the sample, the average jumps to 22.7. So Josh Gordon, man, at this price is just it's absurd. Yeah, no, it's kind of ridiculous. And the, I mean, the, the Andy Barron's mentioned it on our show yesterday. And the fact that if you like Josh Gordon, like a lot of people do this week, you secretly like Deshaun Kaiser because someone's got to be throwing him the ball. Someone's got to get those touchdowns. And you, you kind of secretly like Kaiser. But knowing that Gordon's price is 5,500, you don't have to pair him with Kaiser if you don't want to. I'm probably going to just because I'm, I've lost my mind at this point in the year. Uh, but is there any guys that you got? Is there any play, like wide receivers down the board that you guys are looking to cash? Do you have any interest? In in Marquise Goodwin at fifty one hundred, maybe uh, Deshaun Jackson at forty four hundred. Anybody down there, Dan? I actually like both those guys quite a bit, uh, Goodwin especially. But I think on DraftKings, just because of how their pricing is, I don't think you have to go there in cash. I think you're fine with guys like we mentioned Dez a little earlier. That's underpriced. The only problem with Dez is I think forget forgot who tweeted it out, but somebody said uh, tweeted out the other day. I think he's gone 19 regular season games in a row without uh, topping 100 yards, uh, which is concerning. Yeah, he hasn't this year at all. I yeah, know which that. is concerning when you get bonuses on DraftKings for topping 100 yards, and that's where some of the value comes from. Um, but he's a guy that I still think is is cash game playable. So the the kind of the construction I would be looking at uh, would be something like Gordon Bryant, and then Hopkins is my main targets on DraftKings, and then those other guys you mentioned is more secondary options. That's fair. And yeah, so Des Bryant, uh, a lot of people might look at historical stuff and they might see that Des has really struggled against the Giants. And he has over the last two years, they've played three games against each other. In those three games, he's totaled a combined four catches for 61 yards. But wow. But no, but Jenkins. Here's, here's the big, huge thing. Janoris Jenkins, he's the he's the cornerback that has shadowed him in every single one of those games, limited him, sh- shut him out. He's out. He's not playing. Uh, that means he's going to see Ross Cockrell and Eli Apple. Eli Apple is the one who almost went home because they were like critiquing his gameplay and he, he had his feelings hurt. He, he, he went home. Um, <laughs> he didn't play last week. We don't know if he's going to play this week, but I would assume he does. Uh, and Ross Cockrell has been coming off the bench. Those two combined have combined to allow a 110 quarterback rating when targeted in coverage. So I do love Des. It, it's risky in cash just because we don't know how healthy Dak Prescott is if his hand is bothering him. But it, he's had a longer time to recover than Matthew Stafford has. And he's already returned to a full practice, which is positive. So I do like Des. Says, um, I think I might like him more in tournaments, but I do have him on my cash sheet as like someone to consider. But I might just go down to like Goodwin or Djax. I think Djax is an f- awesome play. Like I, I, I know that he's not really a cash game play, but he's been oddly enough more of like a possession receiver this year than I thought he would be with Tampa. And I think part of that comes with Ryan Fitzpatrick and the fact that he can't throw the ball over twenty yards. But uh, but knowing that Jameis is back, knowing that Mike Evans is going to be shadowed by Darius Slay, uh, Nevin Lawson against Deshaun Jackson's a, a matchup that I would look to exploit. So 
Um, yeah, but we've talked about it in the fact that this week the, the pricing is so loose and we get those weeks every now and then on DraftKings. So you don't necessarily have to find someone like that in cash and you could just like stay above 5000 and you'll be okay. Yeah. There, there's uh, two guys I want to talk about here in cash games. I mostly agree with all the players you guys have been mentioning. Uh, Goodwin is a real nice value piece down there. I want to talk about Golden Tate. I mean, I understand he hasn't exactly been the most consistent the past three games, but over the past seven games, he's got five games of 69 yards or more. We know that he always gets a lot of targets. He's going up against Tampa. Um, is this just a Matthew Stafford thing, or would you guys consider him for cash games? Well, Dan mentioned him. Dan likes him, and I honestly... I Oh, I'm sorry about that. No, no, I love Golden Tate this week, but the thing is, I legitimately have an asterisk next, next to his name. Pay attention to Matt Stafford, because it appears there's legitimate concern that he may not play this game, because it's his throwing hand that was hit, and he looked in a, he looked like he was in a lot of pain. Like, Dak looked like he shook it off and was like, it was uncomfortable, but Stafford looked like he was in like a lot of pain. I thought he broke bones, but apparently he didn't. Uh, but yeah, I don't... Even so, Dan, let's pretend this. Let's pretend Matthew Stafford is limited participant all week long. It gets to Sunday. Are you comfortable putting Tate in your cash game lineup? I think I probably would be. I, th- I think it's kind of it's tough because his target numbers, I guess, have I, looking through his game logs, they're not as strong as, as what I was expecting. Uh, looking through them, and that and that's basically the primary thing that I'm going to look for. We can we can measure efficiency or try to project efficiency. Uh, but the thing that we're we really can target or, or focus in on is is, um, is volume, and so those are the the guys that I'm I can kind of peg for ten plus targets and, and think that they get there the majority of the time are the guys I'm going to be looking at. And I do think Tate you can you can fairly reasonably project him for for eight plus. So he is going to be a guy that that's kind of on that fringe cash game range for me. Now, what about Devontae Adams, guys? He's been top 10 receiving yards over the past five weeks with Brett Hundley. Uh, he gets a real nice matchup against Cleveland this week. He's been getting a lot of targets, 45 in the last five games. So what do you guys think? Tags, what do you think about Adams? Well, he's going to be shadowed by McCourty. Uh, like Devontae Adams has been like the number one receiver on the Packers now for, you know, over a month. So I, I, I would I would highly assume that Jason McCourty is the one who's going to shadow him in coverage, which has been a downgrade to most wide receivers all year. We had Ratcliffe on a couple weeks ago and he was talking about how he basically did a, an extensive shadow on A.J. Green back in their first meeting and held him to, I think, like two catches and like the touchdown he scored wasn't his coverage. Um, but I do think he's going to shadow Devontae Adams. I don't think it's enough for me to say that Adams isn't a play at all, like in tournaments, because Adams has overcome tough matchups. Like if you go back to two weeks ago against Baltimore, that was a really tough matchup with Jimmy Smith in the field with Brandon Carr there. So I'm not totally running away from him. I just don't think that he's in play for cash. You know, I love uh, Larry Fitzgerald as well. Uh, he's got 51 targets in the last five weeks. That, that's more than Keenan Allen and Antonio Brown. He gets Tennessee this week. Uh, I wouldn't mind spending up on Larry, Larry Fitzgerald. I don't even know how I didn't mention him. Do you have any strong feelings on uh, Fitz? Because I, I love yeah, him. Yeah, I think he's a great option. At, um, the only thing with him, I guess he's 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 got a good tag on, on DraftKings. He's a little higher up there on, on FanDuel where I'm not sure if he's going to be a cash game option for me. Uh, but I th- I th- he's he's definitely one of the top overall options of the slate. Yeah, he um, just to, to highlight that, uh, Logan Ryan, the guy who typically covers the slot for the Titans, he hasn't done a great job this year, but he is their starting cornerback and probably the most talented one at this point in their career. Uh, and he is out with a concussion. I don't know if he's actually going to be out. He hasn't practiced. He hasn't cleared the concussion protocol. So as of this time, I'm assuming that it's going to be Bryce McCain. Bryce McCain's been in the league since 2009. He's never been very good. He, he This is a team, the Titans team lacks talent at the cornerback position. He's still coming off the bench, which kind of tells you all you need to know. So if Logan Ryan misses this game, it's an even bigger upgrade to Larry Fitzgerald. So yeah, definitely good call. Any other wide receivers you guys want to talk about before we go on over to tight ends? Nope. Mm-mm. All right, well, let's do it. And before we do get there, I want to take a moment to talk about the sponsor of today's show, TeamRankings.com. Being a DFS junkie, it's easy to let the NFL world just dominate you. But as we all know, it's officially college bowl season, which means storied matchups like the Charon Bundy Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl and the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl are just begging for your action. If you're like me, you've probably got a few entries into a college bowl pick'em 
or a confidence poll going this year. Maybe you're even headed out to Vegas for New Year's to spend some quality time in the sports book. If so, you need to check out TeamRankings.com. We first started telling Fantasy Pros listeners about these guys months ago. They came on and did a podcast episode with us as well, and we talked about NFL pick'em pools. Since then, Team Rankings customers have already won over 1,200 prizes in football pools this season alone. But it's actually College Bowl pools where the customized algorithmic pick strategies developed by Team Rankings have delivered an even greater edge. In 2016, for example, Team Rankings customers took first place in their College Bowl Pick'em contest more than three times as often as standard odds would have you expect. If you want to put data on your side this bowl season, check out www.teamrankings.com slash fantasypros for exclusive discounts of up to 70% off, plus free offers for 27 bowl picks. Again, that's teamrankings.com slash fantasypros. All right, so let's head on over to tight end, and Dan, we'll let you start us off here on who you're looking at. Yeah, I think the uh, top overall option, uh, pretty much without a doubt, uh, is, is Kelsey, but he is expensive on both sides. Uh, then if you're not going Travis Kelsey, I think it becomes uh, more a, a position where you just want to save uh, and go cheap at the, the tight end position. So you're looking at guys like uh, Steven Anderson, who has seen an uptick in uh, in usage due to injuries. Uh, he saw 12 targets last game. Uh, and, and again, it is, it is in a good game environment this week. And then another cheap guy um, who gets the Jameis Winston bump. He's cheaper on, on FanDuel or uh, comparatively than on DraftKings would be Cameron Bray. Yeah, I, I love Kelsey this week. And if you're going to spend up on tight end, this is the week to do it, right, Tags? Uh, what do you think about Evan Ingram? Is he uh, a decent option as well, or is it all Kelsey? No, Evan Ingram's in play for sure. Uh, with Eli Manning coming back, it gives you a little bit more confidence in starting him rather than Geno Smith. Uh, I mean, I, I know a lot of people are going to look at Evan Ingram's passing uh, or receiving line from last week and think, wow, he did really good with Geno Smith. He made a couple highlight reel catches in order to make that happen. Uh, he's a really, really good player. Dallas, after the first 10 weeks of the season, I think it was, they did not allow or the first nine weeks of the season they didn't allow a single top 12 tight end but over the last like four or five weeks they've allowed Travis Kelsey 73 yards and a touchdown Austin Hooper 49 yards and a touchdown Hunter Henry 76 yards and a touchdown so they've started to show weakness they they are getting Sean Lee back this week so I think Evan Ingram's a play but if you're paying up that much go to Kelsey Kelsey uh, Oakland really struggles down the seams they have nobody deep their cornerback position is, is weak so if they line up Kelsey as a wide receiver they're going to struggle covering him there's just there's so many reasons to like Travis Kelsey in this matchup, especially knowing that once Reed, uh, Andy Reid gave up the play calling duties, that Travis Kelsey went and had the game of the year, essentially, even though they didn't use him in the second half for God knows why. My Who I want to pay attention to as the week goes on is Hunter Henry. Uh, I played him last week in cash and it worked out, but I was watching that game and it, it appeared he came down with a knee injury and then nothing came of it. Like there was no news about it. And I was like, okay, I won't pay attention to it. It's nothing. It, maybe he just dinged it up and it was a stinger, whatever. But he actually, I want to say, it was either he was very limited or he missed practice yesterday with a knee injury. So that's something I'm paying attention to. He's 4,600, so he's relatively cheap. And his... His rise and demise this year came with Mike Williams. Mike Williams, the rookie wide receiver who started to earn snaps uh, uh, with the starters. He was getting out of the field. Hunter Henry was coming off the field. It was hurting his production. Once Mike Williams went down, we've seen Hunter Henry emerge back. So the pricing hasn't quite caught up with Hunter Henry yet. So if he's healthy, if you see him get in a full practice uh, before the weekend, I, I would feel very comfortable playing him against Washington, who's been arguably worse than the Giants against tight ends. And I... Some people might say, well, no, because they've only allowed, you know, three, four touchdowns in the season. But it's when it comes to me and tight ends, I want I want yardage. The touchdowns will follow uh, and they have allowed four different uh, five different tight ends to total at least 89 yards against them. Uh, and that's something Hunter Henry can do. So I do like Henry an awful lot. It's just I want to see him practice first. Dan, any other tight ends on your cash game radar? No, I, I do co-sign with the with the Henry play uh, as well as the Ingram, I think. I think those are both strong options that are going to see um, some decent uh, target numbers. Let's move on over to uh, defense. And this is not the week where you can just plug Jacksonville in and say, uh, you know, I'll build my lineup around this. I know that I have to have them. Is there a team like that, Dan? I don't think so, no. There's not, I, I, I'm fine <laughs> no playing Jacksonville um, defense still, but no, I don't think there's a, a lock them in defense, really. Can you believe we're at the point where this late in the season, okay, and Seattle just beat maybe the best team in football. And Jacksonville is somehow good enough that they are favored by two and a half points against Seattle. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. It's Jackson, crazy. Yeah, there. I mean, that's that's like the nightmare, right, for fantasy owners that play in season long leagues because you have Russell Wilson who's been killing it all season, right, and then he comes up to Jacksonville in the playoffs, and you're like, what do I do? There's people legitimately I've asking. Had so me, many people ask me, should I start him? Yeah, it's it's a real question. So obviously, it's you know, he's, <laughs> Russell Wilson or Deshaun Kaiser. I've got that question five times. Are you okay. kidding me? Okay, it's, I like. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I like. I like Russell. I mean, I like Deshaun Kaiser, but I'm not starting over Russell Wilson, but we're getting off tra- track here. We're going on season-long tangents. Uh, but I, <laughs> but I, in terms of defense, what do you guys think about the Bills? I mean, over the last two weeks, they've allowed just 258 yards, no touchdowns to Brady. Alex Smith, 199 yards and a touchdown. It's like that was really the only game that Alex Smith has struggled outside of that win game in, in against the Giants. That was really the only game he struggled. So I don't know if this Bills defense has turned a corner. I mean, Indianapolis has played like garbage. T.Y. Hilton is not going to be inside of a dome, which hurts his uh, like, you know, projections. So what do we think about the Bills? Is that a defense that you consider, Dan? Yeah, for sure. Especially because uh, Brissett takes so many sacks. So they have a, uh, almost a built-in floor, even though the, the Bills aren't generating a ton of uh, sacks themselves. Their, their overall projection skyrockets in a matchup like this. Uh, so I do like them quite a bit. Who do, who's your favorite defensive play if you're in, in cash? Like, who's the defense that you're probably going to end up sticking in your team just because you feel like they're the safest option? Yeah, I think it would be um, Jags or uh, Bills, really, uh, is kind of my top two options. On, on FanDuel, uh, if you need the salary relief, uh, I don't hate the Browns defense, as nasty as that sounds. Uh, they're they're <laughs> wow. They're abs they're absolute min price on FanDuel, so they're they're only four thousand dollars over there. Uh, Hunley is another quarterback that takes a lot of sacks, uh, so you kind of have again a, a possible built-in floor there. Uh, so they're they're a, a team I can see going to for salary salary relief. I don't think you need to approach anything like that on DraftKings though. That's awesome. I was not expecting that. And you mentioned the Bills. Like, yeah, they're a good play. But on FanDuel, they're 5300 They're more expensive than the Jags. So you might as well just choose the Jags and, you know, bank on eight points, maybe get another 25-plus like they've done, what, four times this season. Uh, for me, I want to talk about the Packers, though. I mean, they've got 12 sacks over the last four games, six turnovers forced. They go against Cleveland. And I know we've been talking up Cleveland so much, but it is Deshaun Kaiser. He does throw three interceptions for every touchdown. So we can expect an interception or three, right? I don't know. I like Kaiser too much. This Packers defense, you can only take away so many parts and still function as like a unit. I'm not to say that they're a bad play. I don't think that they're a bad play. I think I have them in one of my season long leagues just because I think that they were a safe floor play because look at some sacks. But if I like Kaiser so much, I don't want to have that negative correlation. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Now, let's go backwards here, okay? We're going to talk about GPP plays, and this always goes a little bit faster, but are there any more contrarian plays that stand out here at defense for you? I guess Browns would be that, <laughs> based, based on <laughs> based on your reaction. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Tags? Is there someone who stands out here? Uh, I mean, nobody's going to want to pay for Minnesota, but I think that they're actually a solid option against Newton. Uh, Cam Newton is obviously going to take some sacks from time to time. He's going to throw, he's going to have some, he's going to have some games where he struggles to throw the ball. We've seen that throughout the year. Uh, Obviously with Xavier Rhodes covering Devin Funchess, it's taking away his only legitimate wide receiver. Greg Olson is going to be back on one foot, it seems. So I think Minnesota, you're not going to get in this cheap very often. And I think they're a solid play. I think that's going to be a low scoring game. Dan, let me ask you this, because I've been wondering, at least I've been thinking this and I'm not sure if it's true. Okay. In GPP, would you say that pretty much every defense is in play? I mean, turnovers and especially touchdowns are so random that we could see any of these game scripts open up. I I remember Ryan Tannehill uh, tossing out four or five touchdowns in the first half a few years ago. And then they ran up. Miami was up huge the whole game. Their defense picked off some passes. And whoever had all these Miami guys ended up winning in GPP. So would you say like, even the Bucks against the well, the, the Bucks against the Lions are in play if Stafford is out. But teams like the Giants against Dak Prescott, uh, Arizona against Tennessee. I mean, we could see any of these teams happen to get into the end zone, right? Yeah, I think it's more or less true what you're saying. I think uh, we we can predict defense only so far. I think it's the, definitely the spot with some of the higher variance uh, on your roster. Uh, so it makes a lot of sense, especially if you're, there's not necessarily this week, but if there's a week where you're going to see a quote unquote quote chalk option, uh, get a lot of ownership at defense. I think it makes a ton of sense to be to immediately pivot off them uh, to a different lower owned option because again, there's just a lot of variance at the position, and it really comes down to trying to get that lucky 
lucky touchdown. So, Dan, I know you're the type that you'll play 100 different tournament lineups inside of a contest, like the multi-entry ones. How do you handle defenses there? Do you try and, like, cap your ownership to one defense at, like, 20%? Or do you stick to, like, maybe three or four defenses throughout all of your lineups? How do you approach that when you do the multi-entry tournaments? Yeah, I'll pretty much cap it uh, around 20%, almost exactly like you said. Especially, and then on on FanDuel, you have to factor in the kicker. That's another high-variance position. Uh, So those are the Mm -hmm. two spots where I'm going to spread my ownership a little thinner. Uh, than I would some of the other spots. That's really interesting. I'm, I'm really glad you asked that, Tex, because I was wondering the same thing, and I just totally forgot to ask. Uh, now, over at tight end, it almost seems like kicker this season where it's just touchdown or bust, and it's so hard to predict. In GPP, you almost have to have that guy who's going to catch two random touchdowns. Uh, I mean, nobody was on Ricky Seals-Jones. What was he, 0.1% or less owned the other week? But Who's the guy this week that you could see catching two touchdown passes that no one's really talking about, Dan? Well, if you're if you're going touchdown or bust, he's been touchdown or bust all year, and that's ASJ uh, against yep. the Broncos. So I think I think he's a guy that actually has he hasn't shown it, but I do think he has some yardage upside in this matchup as well. Yep. Denver has allowed the most passing touchdowns in the league. It continued last week with Jake Cutler, uh, and they haven't really allowed a whole lot to the wide receiver position. So a lot of people are going to be excited about Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse. It's not a great matchup for the wide receivers. It's more so for the running backs who catches passes out of the out of the backfield and the tight end. So ASJ, I mentioned him on uh, yesterday's show as the start of the week. So I am fully on board with the ASJ call, but I also think that some solid plays. Uh, I think that Delaney Walker is an awesome play. And I say that because a lot of people are going to either go cheap at tight end or they're going to pay up for Kelsey or Ertz or Ingram. Whereas Delaney Walker is kind of stuck in this purgatory at 5,700. He's kind of overpriced, but at the same time, he's been producing as of late. He scored two touchdowns, I want to say, the last two weeks. Arizona was a team that was really good against tight ends the, each of the last two years. But this year, they've allowed four different tight ends to go for 15 or more PPR points against them. We obviously know Walker is the most consistent option to them. Um, if Rashard Matthews is covered by Patrick Peterson, that helps Delaney Walker. There's just not a whole lot to dislike about Delaney Walker this week. You know, another guy that I, I want to mention, and I almost don't want to mention him because it's kind of embarrassing is Jared Cook. After he uh, struggled against the Pats, I was like, it was just one game. He's going to bounce back. He was getting so many targets, so many yards every game. And then he was going against Denver, one reception for one yard. Then he was going up against the Giants. And I had to say him again, one reception for nine yards. Is there, I mean, is he still a high upside guy or am I, am I crazy? Like Amari Cooper is going to be out this week, right? So Jared Cook should get five to 10 targets. Clive Walford out-targeted him last week, so I wonder if there's something to them. I mean, Jared Cook played a lot more snaps, so I'm not going to totally just dismiss the idea that, I mean, or just say it's automatically Walford, but Clive Walford was the tight end that they expected to turn into the future, and they brought in Jared Cook because they felt Walford wasn't ready, Um, but he... He outperformed Jared Cook last week, so I wonder if that's a thing going forward. It's enough of a concern where I'm probably going to avoid it. I just don't think there's much upside with the Oakland offense going into Kansas City because Arrowhead Stadium is one of the toughest places to play. It's a divisional matchup. Yeah. They struggled against uh, Jared Cook last time they played, so I'm sure there will be some adjustments on defense. As Kansas City, they're not really a defense that you attack with tight ends. They've only allowed, I think, one tight end touchdown in the entire season. All right, wide receivers for GPP. And we've already mentioned a bunch of names for cash games who are viable also for GPP contests. Obviously, Tyreek Hill is in there. We don't even need to tell you that. Uh, another guy that I want to mention is Corey Coleman. We're mm-hmm. all hyped up about Josh Gordon. Corey Coleman is really good. He's also got the great matchup. Um, so Coleman is big time on my radar. Dan, who's on your radar? Yeah, I, I second the Coleman pick. He's a guy... Um where he, he's just a very strong game theory play. I think, like you said, you'll see a ton of ownership on Josh Gordon. So if you think this is a good matchup for Gordon, it's also a, a good matchup for Coleman. He'll see, I don't even know, a fourth of the ownership that Gordon's going to see, uh, maybe less. And, he, and he's also a guy that has tremendous abilities, uh, so could produce uh, a lot of points for at cheap ownership. Uh, to be honest, he was my main guy. But if you have a, I guess if you have another game theory guy, a guy that that looks like he's going to play this week um, is uh, Will Fuller. Looks to be back, uh, so he's another guy that's going to see low ownership. Uh, this uh, Texans offense is getting very concentrated with the, their other injuries going around as well. Uh, so he's a guy that uh, <laughs> he's been interesting. He, when he went on his streak, it was because he was c- catching a ridiculous amount of touchdowns and being ridiculously efficient with that. I don't necessarily think that trend continues, but I could see him getting. 
you know, seven plus targets in this matchup. He's a deep threat. Uh, so I do, I do think he makes an interesting GPP option and he'll see uh, very low ownership numbers. I like that call. Tags, do you have a, a few guys? Yeah, I think we're all aboard Corey Coleman. I had that name down too. It's a fantastic pivot playoff, Gordon. Uh, Trent Taylor is a name that nobody is talking about, and uh, I don't know why. Because So the thing is, that's like a kind of pivot off of Marquise Goodwin. And Taylor has been like involved in this offense all year long, but nobody's talked about him because he's been that really that guy that gets 30 to 40 yards seemingly every single game, and that's kind of it. But in his first game with Jimmy Garoppolo, they clicked. He, uh, he saw six targets. He caught all six of them for 92 yards against the Bears, who defend the slot extremely well. Well, uh, they've done a phenomenal job with slot receivers uh, this year. You've seen Golden Tate struggle against them. So in a tough matchup, I liked him. And if we like Jimmy G going into a tournament, Trent Taylor is like kind of like a pivot off of Marquise Goodwin. I think Goodwin's is still a solid play. I think they're both in play for tournaments. Uh, but I like Trent Taylor. I like Zay Jones at 4,100. I think that matchup for him is fantastic. Indianapolis is now down three of three. They're three top cornerbacks. They're down their fr- They're starting free safety. There's just zero reason to not think that there's going to be some wide receiver to produce. Jordan Matthews just went on IR. Kelvin Benjamin is dead. And there's really nobody else. So Zay Jones at 4,100. I like him in tournaments. Deshaun Jackson. And I think that we need to mention Doug Baldwin at 5,400. Yep. Because this is his cheapest price that he like I want to say this is a thousand cheaper than he's been all season long. Um, the matchup in Jacksonville, AJ Boye and Jalen Ramsey stay on the perimeter, which means that Doug Baldwin isn't going to see them. Uh, maybe twenty five percent of the time he'll see them. And if we think that Russell Wilson is going to remain competent in this game, which I think that we can at least expect competent numbers. Baldwin is going to have a, a large part to do with that. So I think at 5,400 is a tournament play. I think it's solid. We saw T.Y. Hilton catch a long touchdown against them last week. Something similar can happen with Baldwin. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with Baldwin. I mean, you don't want to mess with Jacksonville's defense, but Baldwin at that price, he's too good to not get some exposure in GPP. I want to talk about this Broncos offense. Um, it no. still looks extremely ugly, but we have seen Trevor Simeon go off a number of times. And if he does, you know it's going to be Demaryius Thomas and or Emmanuel Sanders. So I'm going to be getting exposure to all of them in GPP. I stay away from all of them. Like Trevor Simeon screwed me last week, so I hate him. And Demarius, and then Demarius Thomas, by the way, like he doesn't score with Trevor Simeon under center. It just doesn't happen. You have to go back to like the middle of last year to find the last time he scored with Trevor Simeon. So he's not in play for tournaments. Like if he catches a touchdown, it's a wonder. So he's not catching two. Emmanuel Sanders, he he hurt his ankle again last week. He's been under thirty yards, I think, three of the last four games. I want. I just he's got the better matchup. Emmanuel Sanders does. I'm just worried about his health. But if you're going to play one in a tournament, it would be Sanders for me. Demarius just doesn't find the end zone with with Simeon. How, how do you keep yourself from holding grudges, Dan? I am so mad at Jared Cook right now. Obviously, uh, Tags is mad at somebody. Do you have players that you just get so mad at, but you just have to play anyway? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Uh, I'm trying to think. I know there, uh, Cooper's my guy that I, I kept going back to and, and probably will. We're all mad like, at Cooper. Yeah, he, he's the guy that sticks <laughs> out as a guy that I, I just, I'll, I'll always keep playing him and, and just wait till it pays off. I, I did have him as big week against <laughs> Kansas City, so that was nice, but he, He's lost me more money than he's made me, that's for sure. Well, yeah, it's you, it's you, me, and Peter Jennings in a room together, and we're just crying ourselves to sleep every yeah. night. Because uh, I might, Dan, Dan, I'm sure you, ha- I don't know if you've heard our bet, but Bobby and I, I might have to do the NFL Combine because I bet that Amari Cooper would score more fantasy points per game than Sammy Watkins. I don't even know what to say right now. I um, so yeah, Amari Cooper has let me down, but I'm not holding a grudge because he's too damn good. Yeah. Um, let's talk yeah. some running backs and quarterbacks real quick. Hold on, I have one more name that I have to say. Sorry, hold on, hold. On just a second, Brandon LaFell. Brandon LaFell oh, has stop big it. games no, all no, the time. No, no, don't. For no. real, man. Stop For real, it. he's getting a ton of targets, man. This this is a bad take. This is a this is real. Somebody Brandon LaFell is going to win someone a million dollars this week, and you are going to feel so guilty for stopping our listeners from doing it. Text Dan, would you please tell him to stop? I mean, him? we didn't mention the the better Bengals option yet. <laughs> yes. So I'd, 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 go to, I'd go to Green before I went to LaFell. I, we. Green actually is is a pretty solid GPP option. Uh, I, I don't think I could pull the trigger on LaFell. 
Yeah, so he's he's with me. He just didn't want to be rude, but he said it's a garbage take. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move on to running back, and we're gonna talk about. Uh, I want to say Leonard Fournette is one of my favorite tournament plays because I think people are forgetting how good this guy is. And so we talked about it on the show at Andy Barron's yesterday. So I don't want to go into it too much, but I think Pete Carroll is a, is a is a coach that sticks to his guns. Like he doesn't veer off his plan very much. He's not going to bring eight or nine defenders in the box against Leonard Fournette. He's going to trust his defense as he always does. They played good run defense throughout the year but people forget that Leonard Fournette was playing some tough to start the season like tough matchups and he was performing every single week you look at it Houston Tennessee Baltimore the Jets the Steelers he was crushing all these teams if you give a guy like this enough carries he's going to do damage at home uh, they're they're a slight favorite at home not much but they are and Leonard Fournette is probably going to be under 5% owned like you're not going to get him under 5% owned very much. He's got the longest carry on the season as well. You know he can break big runs. If he gets an 80-yard run for a touchdown, 14 points right there, guys. What do you think, Dan? Am I am I crazy for thinking Fournette's a solid tournament play? He he's a guy talking about disappointing. He's a guy that that kind of disappointed me last week. I was I was real I mean, he was fine, but I was real heavy on him and he didn't outscore, you know, the a lot of the cheaper running backs went off last week, so he he his uh, he didn't really put enough of a differential up between them. So he's a guy that I, I see the logic, I see the reasoning there, and I think he's a guy that's always going to get a ton of volume. So of course, if you're going to see you know 25 touches to 30 touches in a game, then yeah, you you have an opportunity to put up a lot of fantasy points. Hey, I know we're talking about running backs right now, but I have to go back to this. Brandon LaFell has more targets than Mike Evans the last four weeks, guys. He hasn't done anything with him, though, because he sucks. I don't th- I don't think Mike Evans is a guy that you want to compare him to right now. That, that, <laughs> okay. okay. Not right <laughs> now. That doesn't really make really your quick. case. <laughs> Jay Ajayi is the last one I'm going to mention. I'm not even going to go into why. I, I talked about it on yesterday's show. But, Dan, is there somebody else in tournaments that you're looking at as a contrarian play at the running back position? Uh, Elf Morris sticks out as a guy that's going to see a lot of uh, a running volume. Uh, pretty good matchup for him as well. He's a guy that I think if, if Dallas gets a lead, uh, we'll see exactly what they did to Washington as well. He's a guy that can see, you know, another guy, 25 touches or so uh, if, if game script goes his way. So, I think he's got a couple touchdowns as well as a 100-yard upside. Bobby, how about you? You know, if Joe Mixon does play, I'm really intrigued by Joe Mixon against Chicago. Um, Just because everyone's going to see that questionable, they're going to think, oh, he's banged up. His ownership's going to be, what, 2-3%. We know Joe Mixon has big games, so uh, I think Joe Mixon is viable in GPP. Did he suffer another injury outside of his concussion? Someone told us, I, I thought I read something. Uh, Dan, have you heard anything about this? Like, I, I want to say that Mixon, on the same play, he he suffered the concussion. He had like a shoulder injury or something like that. I haven't heard anything about the shoulder. I know concussion for sure. Yeah, I thought it was similar to Amari Cooper, where it's like it, it kind of was swept under the radar because everybody's worried about the concussion. Uh, but Amari Cooper is dealing with a high ankle sprain on his concussion. And I want to say I read something about Mixon having suffering another injury on that. I don't think he plays for what it's worth um, kind of on a short week. And the Bears defense, yeah. they've they've only allowed it's been one running back to or actually zero running backs to run for 100 yards against them. They haven't allowed any multiple touchdown games. I think it's a high floor game for Geo or Mixon, no matter who starts. Uh, but I don't know if the ceiling is quite there. I know people are really mad at Jarek McKinnon, too, but I mean, we have to admit he does have big play upside. He's had uh, three games in his eight starts where he was top six among running backs. And granted, you know, all of them were against pretty crummy defenses and Carolina is not that. But I think McKinnon, you need some exposure. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I'm fine with that. All right, guys. Well, let's close it out really quick with quarterbacks. I already mentioned Trevor Simeon and Tags was really mad at me about it. So Tags, you tell me who's a better pick than Trevor Simeon? Uh, well, Jameis Winston, you already mentioned him. That that would be one of my favorite tournament plays. I think that yeah. uh, I know we're not doing the Thursday slate, but I, Drew Brees, I think, is a solid tournament play tonight. Um, but Dak Prescott is one of the players that I would look at in tournaments as well, because like I said, I, I'm worried about his hand a little bit. But at the same time, this Giants defense has been bleeding fantasy points. It seems like, uh, you know, him and Des got their mojo back a little bit last week. I know that they didn't connect a whole lot, but it was something in the right direction. The offensive line mm-hmm. is obviously healthy. The run game showed up last week. So if the Giants have struggled in one area more than the other, it's definitely been the second half on the back half of their defense. So I do think that Des and uh, Dak would be a solid stack. And honestly, you might be 
able to throw Jason Witten in there too, because obviously against, against the Giants, you any tight end is viable. So I think if you do a Des um, Des Dak and Witten stack, and then on the other end you could throw in Sterling Shepard if he's healthy, because he apparently is dealing with a hamstring injury. I loved his matchup because it seems like Orlando Scandrick is going to miss this game, uh, the slot cornerback for the Cowboys. So they're they're essentially running three rookies out there uh, in the secondary. So I think Sterling Shepard would be a solid play if he was healthy. Jared Goff as well. He's been annoyingly good this season, even though I don't think he's that great. But he does get a lot of touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because like you watch him play and you're like, this is not a top 10 quarterback. But in fantasy, he just keeps getting it done. So I know Philadelphia uh, has a pretty good defense, but I think Jared Goff, if he piles up three, four touchdowns again, could be a top five quarterback. Well, he would if he piled up three or four touchdowns. I don't know if it happens. I think that game might be lower scoring than some people think. Uh, but Dan, what about you? Is there any quarterback in, in tournaments that you're thinking about playing? Like, does Cam Newton interest you um, as a contrarian play against Minnesota or no? Not really. I think we touched on most of the guys I'm... Uh... Uh, in in kind of the cash section, I guess the mm-hmm. the few guys I will mention um, probably have to mention Alex Smith. I guess at this point, uh, I I don't think he'll come close to repeating what he did last week. Uh, but he's 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 been a guy that's shown uh, obviously a high ceiling. So I think he's a guy you have to bring up. And then one more is again terrible matchup, but Russell Wilson shoulders so much of the the offensive load for the Seahawks that even if they score three touchdowns, he's going to be involved in all three of them more likely than not. I've been wondering like what his ownership is going to be at because like we obviously know both sides of the argument here. Uh, I I think some people might think it's contrarian to play him, but I think he's going to be higher owned than people think. It's sixty two hundred. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see his ownership percentage. He's got twenty touchdowns in the last seven weeks, guys. That's really good. Yeah, um, yeah. I think he's going to have some ownership, three four percent. And uh, I think those guys don't really know what they're doing. But in, in GPP contests, yeah, I could definitely see getting exposure to him because. I mean, just because it hasn't happened to Jacksonville yet. Blaine Gabbert had a pretty good game against them. Russell Wilson could get over 20 points. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's why he's in play for tournaments. Absolutely. You can never totally cross him off your lineup. Definitely not. All right, guys. Well, that's all for today's show. Dan, you had so much interesting insight and uh, really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. And for those of you listening to the show today... Thank you for listening. Thank you for all the support on iTunes. Subscribe and review us. If you haven't done it yet, you can do it. It takes like 30 seconds and it really helps us out. Thank you also to the sponsor of today's show, TeamRankings.com slash Fantasy Pros, where you can get up to 70% off college football bowl picks and all the packages that they offer. Please check them out, TeamRankings.com slash Fantasy Pros. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your football.